Hi there, and thank you for joining in on this episode of the Girl Above podcast. We are really excited to be back today with Virginia. Hi, Virginia. Hey, guys. Virginia Hood is one of the therapists that works pretty closely with Girl Above, specifically in the area of our monthly moms gatherings. And so um, we're just happy to have her here today. A few episodes ago, we kicked off talking about shame and vulnerability, what those are and how they play into youth culture today. And then we moved into what does it mean to really know your story as a mom and how navigating your minefield helps you to improve your relationship with your daughter. And so today we are going to be talking about some tangible tools for empathy, active listening, and helping your daughter to feel heard. So we've got some big stuff to talk about today. Before we dive in with you, Virginia, I just want to give people an idea of who they're talking to. So Virginia has her master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. She's a therapist in private practice here in Lone Tree, Colorado, and she works with women of all ages, moms, and daughters, and then specifically with anxiety and depression. So those are her areas. She's really passionate about what we're talking about. So we're in for some good content today. Yeah, I'm excited. Great. So if you wouldn't mind just kind of recapping where, we, where we've been more specifically in the last episode with you before kicking off into this new material. Yeah, totally. So during the last podcast with me, um, we introduced the theme of this minefield, like Krista was saying, and how teenagers can so easily trigger their parents' own unfinished business. Um, and it's hard. It's hard to look at our own unfinished business. It's easier to just try and fix someone else. Like, that's the impulse that runs in all of us. It's easier to focus on somebody else, blame somebody else, and try and fix somebody else. Um, it feels really scary to kind of look at our own stuff and increase our own self-awareness. Um, but when we really, when we seek freedom ourselves, I really believe that we're more able to give others what they really need. Um, others be including like our own kids, your own children. Um, so last podcast with me, we focused, we asked, we kind of asked the question, posed the question to you, what is your own minefield? Where are those places in, um, in your story where you might have some unfinished business that, that might be playing out in your current conflict with your daughter. Um, so we talked about what it means to look at your own life and your own story in a narrative fashion, asking questions like, where's the heartache? Where was the heartache for you? Where was the struggle for you? Because it's through adversity that we grow. So we posed the question, how will we allow our pain and suffering to shape us for the better? Um, so how can we kind of dive into our pain and suffering, um, and deal with it in order to be free enough to give our daughters what they really need. So, um, today we're switching the focus. Last time we focused on you as the moms. This time we're going to give you some tools and strategies for focusing on the other, for focusing on your daughter. Tools for empathy, active listening, helping your daughter feel heard. Because, as a recap, your daughter's, your teenager's greatest need is not for their pain to be fixed. Your teenager needs you. They need you to help hold their pain by being emotionally present. Um, and this is from a quote by my um, good friend Melanie, who is a counselor in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, because when we're, when we are free enough, like again, free enough from our own stuff, we can actually give 
these teenagers what they really need. Um, and they do. They need others to help. They need a parent, their moms in particular, to help hold their pain by being emotionally present. And being emotionally present, um, that can sound like a really um, like floaty concept or counselory concept. <laughs> um, so what does that actually mean? Being emotionally present means giving your daughter permission to feel her own feelings without feeling or without being shamed, judged, or abandoned. Um, and we're going to give you tools and skills to do that because kids need to be allowed, even teenagers need to be allowed to talk about their anger. They need to be allowed to express grief, loss, or sadness without parents or others trying to cheer them up or talk them out of their feelings. Um, and, and there's a time for, there's a time for like rebuilding after pain, um, or after struggle, but normally the rebuilding starts with just being, just listening to them. Um, in order to do that, we really have to have access to our own feelings to begin with, because how are we going to help our daughters or how are we going to help others? have access and kind of sort through all of their many emotions, especially during adolescence. Adolescent girls sometimes have emotions all over the place and we can't help them sort theirs out without knowing um, ha or having access to our own feelings. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It also allows you to just do a better job of listening because you're not being reactive in that moment. Right, exactly. So, um, I'm going to bring, I feel like I'm bringing like all of my favorite authors into this podcast, um, because I've learned so much, like authors have been my mentors in the past. And, um, another kind of author mentor to me has been a man named Chip Dodd, and he wrote a book called The Voice of the Heart. It's an awesome book, um, where we kind of talk, where he talks about, um, different emotions, which we're about to get into. But he really argues in this Voice of the Heart book that the heart has a hunger to live fully, um, that we were created as emotional and spiritual creatures, but so often as kids or throughout our lives, we're taught to deny or forget our emotional and spiritual makeup. Um, and the process, part of the process of maturity um, and, and living fully means regaining the language of our hearts. Um, so, you know, regaining this language of our hearts um, is so important because if we close ourselves off, I've said this before, if we close ourselves off to the pain or painful emotions, we also close ourselves off to deep resounding joy. Um, so I think that's huge. Just knowing like it's okay to have a beating heart. Like it's okay to feel feelings um, because you know, so often like we were, we were taught to deny this, deny our hearts and to deny this core part of who we were, who we are. I really feel like, um, God created us as holistic beings. Um, you know, we're physical, we're relational, um, we're intellectual beings, rational beings, but we're also emotional beings. Um, and when we forget this emotional makeup, we instead usually live out of resignation or defense or hopelessness, or even just survival. Um, so I'd love to give a brief introduction to some core feelings here because this is the landscape that you're really navigating with your daughters. So the first core feeling that Chip Dodd um, focuses on is fear. 
Uh, this is this is a hard one. Fear allows us to recognize danger and experience dependency on others in a really good way sometimes. It points to our need for help and healthy fear leads us into relationship. So um, I really believe that our feelings are actually there for a reason and they actually teach us really important things about ourselves. Obviously feelings can also be expressed or felt in um, an unhealthy way or in an impaired way. Um, so like an unhealthy version, like there's a healthy version of fear, but then there's also an unhealthy version of fear. So the unhealthy version of fear would be anxiety where it just kind of takes control of you. Um, so keep in mind as I kind of go through these feelings that I'm really talking about these feelings each like in their best sense, right. um, not in their impaired sense. Um, so fear is the first one that allows us to recognize danger. That's kind of the gift of fear and actually experience dependency on others and point to our need for help. Anger is the second one. Anger, um, according to Chip Dodd, um, really shows our yearning and our hunger for life and it reveals what matters to us. So a lot of times anger actually indicates the need to stop and consider what's actually happening inside of us. And anger can a lot of, can oftentimes be a secondary emotion. So anger, anger is frequently the feeling that is easiest to feel. It's a lot easier to feel anger than it is to feel hurt or sadness or loneliness. Um, so a lot of times in conflict, it's not surprising that we all go to anger first because it's the easiest one to feel. That's not to say that there isn't legitimate or healthy anger, but um, just pay attention if you are feeling a lot of anger that... Um, Sometimes anger kind of masks another feeling that could be underneath it. The third one, the third core feeling is sadness. And sadness speaks to how much we value what is missed, what is gone, and what is lost. And sadness is a tough one, but I, it, it really is fundamental to full life because it really opens the door to healing. Um... And closing ourselves off to sadness also closes ourselves closes us off to delight as well. Um, and I would say like an impaired version of sadness could be depression. So again, sometimes our emotions get the best of us. Um, but there is, there's a very healthy form of sadness. It's okay to be sad when we've lost something. Um, so keep that in mind too, as you um, think about this brief introduction to feelings. So the fourth feeling... The fourth feeling is hurt. This one's a tough one. I hate this feeling. <laughs> Nobody likes feeling hurt. But hurt is the emotional cry within us that lets us know that we have pain. And it exposes our desire to find healing. Um, and hurt, hurt is what we feel when we admit that life has gotten to us. And that's hard because hurt takes humility to admit. Um, it takes courage and vulnerability to admit hurt as well. And then loneliness is the next core feeling. So loneliness really speaks to our deep hunger to belong and to be known. Loneliness asks, will you be with me and can you listen to my pain? Um, and this is a big one too. I feel like with daughters, a lot of times with friend conflict and with teenagers, a lot of times it's just really lonely, especially girls going into freshman year if they've had a school change um, a change of environment where they're trying to navigate new people, new teachers, new friends, um, a new building, new systems. It can feel really, really lonely. And a lot of times in their struggle, they're going to come to you as their moms. Um, 
really just needing some comfort in the midst of loneliness. Instead of trying to go to, you know, fixing this feeling, just allow them for a minute to acknowledge their loneliness, to put a name to it, and then to just be comforted by you in it, which is a really different stance than our, <laughs> our frequent fix-it mentality. So the next two feelings, um, guilt and shame. Um, these ones, I feel like guilt and shame have like, have the most potential to become like super toxic in women's lives, especially in these formative adolescent years. Um, but I do think there is, there's a healthy version of guilt and shame. Um, guilt, for example, allows us to feel and accept that we've done something wrong. Um, everybody, we all wound others. We all fail. Like we all have to apologize sometimes when we mess up. So there is a healthy version of guilt. Um, and shame in a way, shame, Chip Dodd argues that it, that shame elicits a consciousness of our own limitations and vulnerabilities, like in a healthy way. It exposes, it exposes our God-given needs and the, and the inevitability inevitability, sorry, that we do fall short. Like it just happens sometimes. Um, but I really think that guilt and shame, these two are, these two can be demons sometimes because they get really, really toxic, um, especially in women's hearts and minds. And with this, sometimes guilt and shame are used interchangeably uh -huh. and they're used as kind of like the same word. What is important to note about their differences? Yeah, I really, I think that guilt focuses more on behavior. So guilt says, like, I have done something wrong. And shame focuses more on our being. Shame focuses more on, like, I am wrong at my core. Um, and, and guilt is more like, I've done something wrong or I've my behavior was wrong. Um, so I feel like a lot of times shame can get really, really toxic. Right, because it can replace an identity. Right, exactly. Yeah. It messes with our own um, kind of God-given um, dignity as image bearers of God, um, and it and it can tell us lies, and it can be really, really destructive. Right. Yeah. So the last feeling um, is gladness. Um, a lot of times, gladness um, might be synonymous with happiness, but I think it goes deeper than that. Um, gladness is not really or simply about what getting what we want, but gladness is a result of living fully, living deeply, which oftentimes comes through pain. So gladness actually comes as the result of our willingness to feel the other seven feelings, which I think is a really cool concept. Um, so if we do open ourselves up to all these other feelings, which a lot of times feel more negative. It, it almost feels like this list of eight feelings is like all negative with like one positive at the end. <laughs> right. But I really think that all that our feelings do, um, they serve a purpose and they each have a gift to them and they're telling us important information. Right. One thing I'd like to tie together for us before we move on real quick is Virginia had said in the last episode that sometimes we get stuck in these kind of cycles of conflict, mm -hmm. especially if you're a mom with your daughter, you know, you're going round and round about grades or, um, kind of about their sports or maybe some of the stuff that they're just struggling with school or their attendance or these things that you're trying to correct a behavior. Right. And you're wondering why is this just going round and round again? And she mentions, you know, looking a little bit deeper, there might be something going on below the surface 
these feelings give you a great place to start. Yeah. And some good questions to ask. Is there maybe something happening where your kid is lonely and it's affecting mm. how their grades are coming about or they're feeling immense shame and they're not performing as well in their, in their sport. Right. So just start to get into the practice of looking a little bit deeper into the why of your child's life. Exactly. Yeah. The, it's like these feelings give us an actual language for what is going on. I remember the first time I went to counseling, um, I remember the first time somebody presented these feelings to me and actually named the feelings of like loneliness and hurt. I swear. I don't think, I don't think I knew what lonely, I mean, I knew what loneliness was, but I didn't have a name for it. And that was such a huge light bulb that went off in my own heart of like going, Oh my gosh, there's a name for this. And I think so many teenage girls, I mean, you, you moms know this. So many teenage girls just sometimes feel really crappy or feel really down and they have no idea why. And they have no language for it. Right. So these feelings are the very are the, are the beginning stages to putting some language to what's going on inside of them. Because I can probably guarantee you, there's a lot going on inside of them, and a lot of feelings going <laughs> there's on. There's a lot. Well, and really, outside of their parents or some solid mentors that they have at school, their primary guides are or their primary teachers are their friends. Right. And so their friends don't always know how to give them the language for this either. So right. you being aware as a parent of how to help your kid even be self-reflective and emotionally aware is huge. It's totally huge. Yeah. These, these tools are like gold. They're awesome. Um, so really, so we talked, we're talking about like how these feelings, um, really give us a language for our hearts. And so regaining this language of our hearts means actually telling the truth about what's going on inside of us which is hard. It's hard to tell the truth when we feel hurt, when we feel shamed, when we feel sad, when we feel afraid. Um, but it's so important to allow your daughter to tell the truth about what is going on inside of her. Um, and so many times too, on the other side of that, as a mom or as a counselor, as a listener, so many times what's going on inside of others actually scares us. <laughs> As, as the listeners or as the mom, we feel like, oh my gosh, I have to like do something about this. I have to fix this pain when really most times we really just need our moms to just be there with, with us and witness it. Um, as a daughter, I know I needed, I needed to be allowed to feel, I needed to be allowed to feel without someone else's anxiety or worry or shame or desire to fix it or protect me get in the way. And, and that's so hard as parents because as parents, I'm sure, I mean, I'm not a parent yet, but I can only imagine how much you do want to protect your daughter from her feelings and from feeling hurt. Like nobody wants to, to see a daughter go through that. Um, but if you switch it a little bit and get into that mindset of, gosh, you know, maybe even in marriage sometimes for those of you who are married, like, a lot of times we just need our husbands or our significant others to just sit there and listen to us. We don't need it to be fixed. We just need comforting presence. Um, and I love, I love this quote, um, a spiritual director by the name of Margaret Gunther. She said um, about just kind of the listening process, um, the greatest gift I could give her was to quiet down and wait with her, to be with her. And to do this, I had to recognize my discomfort at my own powerlessness. And that's kind of a powerlessness. That's kind of a daunting word. But 
when we listen, when we listen to the other, we're, we're really confronted with our like feelings of our own, um, powerlessness when we can't fix it, shame when you feel like you're a bad mom, fear when we feel like we don't know what to do, hurt when our, when your daughter takes it all out on us, our daughters can be really, really hurtful. Anger that things aren't how they should be for our daughters in this world or for ourselves in this world. But empathy actually looks like putting those feelings aside and dealing with those feelings at another time or with another person and then entering into your daughter's story through the gift of presence. I love that idea of the gift of presence. Um, it's kind of some different language probably for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So Virginia, what what does that actually tangibly look like? How do we give this gift of presence? Yeah, so um, I would say this gift of presence is really given through the active practice of empathy. And empathy, um, according to another great author named David Benner, empathy is the ability to enter into the experience of others, or even better, receive their experience as they share it with you holding it within you in such a manner as to not confuse it with your own. So empathy asks, for example, how can I understand the other more fully? I think the number one thing, I said this last time, but the number one thing I hear from adolescent girls about their parents is that they don't feel heard. They really don't feel understood. They don't feel like they have a voice. Um, sometimes parents can minimize, I mean, we all do this and some, sometimes in co different contexts in our lives, but sometimes parents can minimize by saying, you know, if, if they're having a friend struggle or something like, oh, but let's focus on the positive. Look at how many friends you do have or stop complaining. Um, and there is absolutely a place for focusing on the positive. Don't get me wrong. Um, there's also a place for problem solving, um, for sure. But so many times the adolescent feels that they really get missed in that when you skip ahead to focusing on the positive or problem solving before you give them time to feel their feelings, put language to their feelings, sort out their feelings and be comforted. Um, so empathy, giving, giving your child, your adolescent, um, helping them feel heard and being present to them. Empathy, the stance is really, a lot of times it's like pretty counterintuitive because we like to take action and we like to fix, but empathy is more invitational and curious. Um, we practice empathy through skills like validation, which means like validating your daughter's feelings, saying things like, that sounds really hard, or through open-ended questions like, tell me more about that. So it's really invitational. And um, we're going to give you some, some ways to practice this for sure. Um, but I hope that makes sense. This does kind of feel like a different way of relating because it's less structured. It gives us less certainty. It's more um, open-ended. Um, but you really do have to be curious with your adolescent. Like, um, be free enough to actually engage in just simple conversation with them around like, okay, it sounds like this is the way you're feeling. Tell me more about that. Tell, what is it like to feel that way? What is it like for you to go through you know, your day at your first day at a new school and not have any friends. Like empathy means really kind of stepping into their shoes, but also not, not enmeshing with them, not losing your own sense of self when you do that, but being free enough in your own sense of self to, um, help them navigate their experience. Right. And for parents who are used to just kind of being the rescuer or stepping in to say, I want to fix this. Like Virginia said, it sounds so counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Um, 
especially when you just want to get to that solution. So exactly, there's a potential that you could be looking at this as kind of a, like a waste of time step, like Mm -hmm. put that to the side. Let's just get to the solution, which makes a lot of sense. However, in order to get to a a long lasting real solution Mm -hmm. that allows you to continue that communication bridge with your kid. It's good to make sure you don't pass over this step completely. Absolutely. Because then they totally get missed if you don't really attend to their feelings. Or what can also happen, which I see really frequently, is that girls learn, young women learn how to just keep all of their feelings inside. And then they end up coming, they end up building up, building up, building up until the point of, until the breaking point. And along the process, along those lines of that build up, feelings like, it's almost like they get stuck Feelings get stuck in there and then they can start coming out in weird ways like anxiety. Right. Which is really, really common. Um, And sometimes you need to just pull back a few steps and actually help them attend to what they're actually feeling and give them an outlet for that. Revisit that listening step. Yeah. So we know that sometimes communicating with your teen is difficult. And so that's why we want to give you some really tangible communication tips for talking with your teen. Virginia, what are some of the biggest, most tangible tips that you can give for a mom when talking to her daughter? Yeah, totally. Um, I think the first one and most obvious one is just to stop and actually listen. Um, What is your teen actually saying and why are they saying it? Like actually focus on what they're saying. Um, And then once you've listened, help your child to accurately label his or her emotions. Reflect back, even if it's just tentatively, and help them summarize what they're feeling. So this is this can feel really odd at first. This is a really weird skill um, that um, takes some practice and some development. Um, so things like reframing or like rephrasing what they've already said, like it sounds like you're feeling really hurt, or it sounds like you're feeling really anxious. Um, just helping them, you're like a sounding board for them. Um, so you need to help them put language to what's going on inside of themselves. Um, another one, we've already said this, is don't jump in to fix the problem. Um, that's a huge one. Um, and model, like, you can model this for your kids, even in, like, times that aren't, times of conflict is a really good time to model this. So whenever you're faced with a, with um, something in your own life or you're just in conversation with your daughter, you can say things like, yeah, when my friend did this, it made me feel like, really angry and that was not okay with me because of this, this, and this reason. So you can practice this and model this um, for yourself in conversation with your teen. And then once you've listened and labeled the emotion and your teen feels heard, it can be time for for problem resolution in that case. Um, So, and you can also look, you can ask your kid about this, ask your adolescent, like if they, if your daughter starts kind of launching into something, you can ask them like, when they get to a stopping point or a pause, like, do you really just need a, like, need me to listen right now? Or do you want some, like, concrete advice and steps to take? Like, that is great advice. Yeah, like, take take cues from them. Like, because a lot of times you, like, we're trying to help them know their own needs as well and speak up for themselves and their own needs. So if they can start saying things like, Mom, I really just need to be listened to right now and I really just need a hug. I've heard that from a lot of a lot of teenagers, like sometimes I just need to be listened to my mom and I just need to be a, need a hug and tell me it's going to be okay. 
Um, so look to your teen for some of those cues as well. So let's say you've engaged in these tips for healthy communication, you're expressing empathy, and things don't go, you know, according to plan. Right. And you are now in a conflict, things are ramping up, like you would say, what are some tangible tools for navigating those conversations that are a little bit more conflict heavy? Yeah, totally. So I'd pay attention to um, kind of your own emotional stress levels as conflict rises. So um, one just little simple um, kind of metaphor tool I like to give clients is like pay attention to your zones. We've got a green zone, a yellow zone, and a red zone in conflict. So the green zone is when we are totally emotionally regulated, cool as a cucumber, like, I'm great. I'm my best self. I can think (laughs) rationally. I'm all good. The yellow zone is one step up from that. It's you experience a little bit of emotional um, kind of dysregulation or distress. You're feeling some things, um, but it could kind of go either way. You could, with the right set of circumstances or people around you, you could kind of de-escalate back into the green zone or the opposite could happen. You could escalate into the red zone. Um, and the red zone is really where, (laughs) where like our emotional brain takes over. So our emotional core primal limbic system brain takes over. And when that takes over, we don't really tend to think rationally at all. (laughs) And so (laughs) the best thing to do if the conflict has already escalated into the red zone is to walk away because nothing gets solved in the red zone. A lot of times we're really defensive. We're really angry. Emotions are flying all over the place and we, we might really not have the capacity to actually get to an actual like conflict resolution in that place. So use timeouts well if you are really feeling like you or your daughter um, is just mad beyond belief. Like just step away and revisit the topic later. Um, a couple of other suggestions Like, learn, know what it's like to fight fair in relationship. A lot of times we really don't fight fair um, in our families. Um, Our families always get the worst of us, especially, um, you know, teenagers, the teenage and parent relationship. Um, We get, we just show each other the worst sides of ourselves. And so what are some ground rules for you guys during fights? Talk about that outside of those red zone high conflict times. Talk about, okay, that was actually not really cool when you went here and you said this. Like those type of places need to be off limits. So what does fighting fear look like for you? That could, um, that could look like, you know, not interrupting or implementing the use of timeouts when needed. Um, And just in general, um, tips like Watch your tone of voice, your body language. A lot of times that can really communicate so much more than we're even aware of. You know, eye rolling and that kind of stuff. Um, we, we communicate just as much with our words as we do in tone of voice and body language. And um, one other tip um, is also to, to not beat your teen over the head with Bible verses or biblical concepts. There's absolutely a time for spiritual formation. Um, but normally that time is not during those times of conflict. They are not going to be ready to hear any of that. Um, so that can be a good one that we need, need to just stay away from in that red, in the red zone sometimes. Um, take breaks when necessary. I kind of mentioned that as well. Um, just be aware of when the conflict is getting out of control and really unproductive. 
So if we have moms that want to practice some of what you've been talking about, how could they do that? Yeah, absolutely. We definitely want to make this more concrete for you guys. So in conclusion, when you guys, um, as you enter into your weeks or your weekends, um, I, we want you to guys to start practicing just noticing your own feelings. Um, you know, if you need to like print out the list of the eight core feelings or um, even get a, a book like The Voice of the Heart, um, that'd be a great resource for you to just start building your own emotional capacity and emotional language. So start noticing your own feelings. What does it feel like to, to feel um, sadness versus hurt? Or what does it feel like when you start feeling shame and guilt? What does that look like? What emotions do you tend to go to more than others? What emotions are harder for you to feel than others? Um, and then the next thing I want you, we want you to practice is just this concept of empathy entering into your daughter's experience more fully by doing things like validating. That sounds really hard. That sounds, it sounds like you're feeling this or tell me more about that. So that invitational curiosity piece is really important. Um, helping them identify their own feelings too. Sounds like you're feeling blank. Um, so these are things you can start practicing. And as you're practicing, monitor this desire to really fix your daughter's problems. Um, just only enter into problem resolution if and when needed and ready for that. Um, so yeah, let take these cues from your daughter, have conversations with them, and start practicing what it feels like to feel your own feelings so that you can help your daughter navigate hers as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. This information is so helpful, and I hope that you guys have learned some good stuff today. I cannot encourage you enough if you have not heard our last two podcasts with Virginia prior to this, go back, listen to them. It tees up really well for what we've been talking about today, particularly that first one in even establishing where your teen might be coming from. Yeah. So go back, listen to those. Um, if you would like to connect with Virginia, she can be found at virginiahoodcounseling.com. So go there. You can learn more about her, her private practice, and then um, shoot her an email if you need anything. So Virginia, thanks for joining us today and just being available to help us navigate the crazy time of adolescence and particularly parenting. Totally. It can be such a, such a crazy season of life to navigate. And thanks to Girl Above for all that, all that you guys do. It's an awesome organization. Thanks so much. Um, if you would like to find more information about Girl Above in general, head on over to girlabove.com. And as always, if you have tips, comments, suggestions for our podcast content, go to the website and just submit through the contact form. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.